0: Guys, welcome back to the Drunken Scholar Podcast. This is the Wars of the North series. I'm your host, Devin Clays, and unfortunately my co hosts are not gonna be around the next few episodes because uh, you know, they're they're moving out of state and whatnot. However, I'm more than willing to continue the series by myself if necessary. We will we will hopefully get the band back together uh via Discord or something. We'll work something out. But regardless, on the last episode, we were talking about how the Northern powers engaged in the 30 Years' War and the consequences of that. But while this whole 30 Years' War deal is going on, everything... They're still moving pieces in the East, in Poland and Russia. And after... Gustavus pulls out and takes his troops off on his little German adventure doing his old 30 years war thing in uh, 1629 as early as 1630 he starts talking to the Russians okay and he starts prodding them encouraging Russia to invade Poland right because Poland's weak at the time pushing at them to maybe retake Smolensk at the same time he would secure his flanks while he's engaged in this uh, real heavy war in Germany. Now for a while Russia resists, but it eventually proves too tempting because in 1632 King Sigismund ends up dying abruptly. And, Essentially, Russia decides, like, now is the time to invade, because with the chaos of the interregnum, you know, Poland wouldn't be able to field an army, they'd be paralyzed for a little bit, and so now is the time to get shit done. Now, his son would succeed him in this election, and would be named Wenceslaus IV. Now, Wenceslaus was... Not like his father at all. He was. He'd be elected unanimously. He was. Well liked by the nobles. Everyone liked him. He wasn't as reserved as his father. More tolerant than his father. Open up to new ideas. um, As well as just. Boundless vigor. So he had like. This guy has all the makings. Of a great king. And like. Those Vasa genes that are seen in Gustav in Sweden are clearly seen here now. Regardless, um, there there is going to take time for this election to happen, and as soon as as soon as Sigismund dies, Russia decides this is their time to pounce. They declare war, but granted. Russia and Poland, they still have a truce, right? They have an armistice treaty. But Russia decides to break the treaty to the shock of Polish citizens, obviously. it's, it's, It's too... It's too sweet a moment not to pounce on. But little do the Russians know that since the Polish war with Sweden, the Poles have reformed their infantry to the western style they've they've remodeled their armies a little bit so you've got western style infantry with eastern style cavalry still favoring their famed hussars now russia in the meantime in preparations for the campaign they haven't been idle either and what they decide to do is they the czar decides to import foreign drill instructors what western um military instructors here people who had fought under poland and sweden in their various wars right to bring their army up to speed because now it's like the west seems to be superior than the east right and so the invasion begins the russians they they're able to amass they they send out thirty four thousand men on the campaign, right? And the target of this whole campaign is going to be Smolensk, right? They're trying to retake all the lands they just lost to Poland in the previous war, right? So they just immediately start attacking it. Poland has no army in defense of this, uh, of their territory and whatnot. So the siege, like, it seems like inevitable, Right. But the only issue is, is that the Russian siege guns are lagging behind. But with the coronation process happening, Poland's unable to raise like an official army. What the response to this is, is there's like a couple thousand Polish guerrilla cavalrymen that just do a, a series of successful raids. These Hussars, it's is literally the best case scenario for the Poles because these guys are just slaughtering entire scores of Russians um, over the course of several months, only losing like four guys, as well as uh, raiding their supply networks. Their food supplies are raided. Their munition supplies are raided. Depots are lost, um, making things worse, compounded with the lagging siege artillery. Now, the siege goes on by February of 33. Vendislaus, he's officially coordinated, And immediately, the Sejim approves the raising and funding of an army of 23,000 men, right, for him to go fight this Russian attack. Now, his army gets further bolstered by an additional 15,000 Cossacks, which will prove pivotal. To the campaign. Now, it's worth noting this same year, the uh, the Ottoman governor of Bulgaria would also invade the Commonwealth. So now the Commonwealth's at war with both the Russians and the Turks. I'm uh, I'm talking for about five ten seconds to get the volume back up for whatever fucking reason. Um, but yeah, with them being at war with both the Ottomans and uh the Turks and whatnot. Um, essentially Vendeslaus would lead the army personally. They would end up relieving Smolensk. Okay. And the the Russians were forced into a retreat, right? And in these in, in this retreat, the Poles managed to effectively encircle the Russian army and combined with effective Polish raids on their supplies, things were not looking very good. Now, the Russians were, or the Russian commander at the time, General Shane, he he was promised a relief army from Russia, but it would never come. And eventually he was forced to surrender. Him and his entire army... There was minor skirmishes and battles, nothing major, but we're talking the entire Russian army, like tens of thousands of men were forced to surrender because they're just completely cut off and there's just nothing they can really do about it. Um, Now, what happens is like this general, he ends up being forced to kiss the feet of, of the Polish king, and is escorted back to Moscow. Um, the Russians, the Russian czar, Michael at the time, um, he's not too happy about this. And essentially the punishment is the Shane, the, the top general of the army, him and his second commander executed. Their families, as well as the families and all the other lower officers of the army are all exiled to Siberia to live out the rest of their days. All the foreign instructors would be deported. The whole Western military experiment had failed. Um, the, The Russians were just not keen on it. Now, it is important to note, however, that you know, these instructors did say that these these reforms, they were only halfway implemented, though. So you got these half half reformed army trying to go out and get big shit done. But it's just simply not going to happen. Regardless, the results of this Smolensk conflict um, would result in big war reparations to Poland and Vedaslaus would relinquish his claim to the Tsardom of Russia, right? So, I don't know. It's it's a give and a take. You know, I, I guess Russia's kind of catching a win on this one because he doesn't have to worry about the Poles claiming his throne, right? And um, aside from this, the... Uh, the The Turkish governor from Bulgaria would be defeated in the same time frame. Um, being although he outnumbers the Poles two to one, um, the the Poles are just able to slaughter the Turks. So although they did have this rough war with Sweden, the Polish military is still nothing to fuck with. Like their military is still a serious threat. They might have some issues, but. Things are still all right now. Aside from this, Vedaslaus he looks towards Sweden, and since Sweden had been prodding the Russians, they're they're quite eager to get revenge. And recently, Gustavus Adolphus had died, right, and and um, Lutzen losing a horrible defeat at Norlingen, and what ends up happening is, once the truce expires, you know Poland is prepared for war again, and the Swedes cave. They're they're willing to make concessions, uh, as long as they don't have war with the Poles. Now, the concessions would end up being that Sweden would have to pull out of Ducal Prussia, the tolls from Danzig would be lifted. The Sweden would have to give back Poland its navy. Also, the truce between Sweden and Poland would be extended for another 26 and a half years. This is all done without firing a shot, which is quite nice. And the Sejim is much willing or is very willing to accept at this time. Now, this is going to infuriate Vettislaus because he has designs to retake the Swedish crown. He wants to retake the Livonian lands lost. You know, he, he's he's trying to do big things here. But Poland has been, at this point, in non-stop wars for just about 80 years or so. Completely destroyed at this point. So, you know, he gets pissed off at the nobles. The nobles are like, you're out of your fucking mind. Yada, 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 whatever. Regardless, they still get back some things from their humiliating... Uh, Swedish peace deal, which we discussed earlier. Now, internally in Poland, th- things have not been going well. With, with all these crazy wars going on, to avoid like major debt and bankruptcy, but by the time 1628 rolls around, the taxes have been raised damn near 12-fold. What they wore in the pre-war levels. So, you know, and, and this kind of tax burden, like, is just simply not sustainable. King, he wants to do big land surveys to re-evaluate the tax system, but the nobility end up blocking it. Like, during these wars, the inflation rises by 21%. The value of Polish currency ends up falling threefold, and with... All of this economic misfortunes happening during these long series of wars is, I mean, to be expected. And it would prove that that Smolensk would end up being Wendislaus's last big triumph. After the war and whatnot, Poland just wants to have peace, recover, this, that, and the third. Now... Weteslaus would have big ideas He does want to get involved In the 30 years war To you know get a little piece of the pie You know this would be struck down Poland Or I should say Weteslaus Rather Wants to He tries to form like a big Holy crusade against the Turks Because now the Turks have attacked Poland three times in a row and Poland's beat their ass three times in a row but unfortunately, the Sezim won't back his crusade against the Turks either. So he's just stuck in peace. But granted, I mean, peace is what Poland wants right now. You know, they've been at war for 80 years and whatnot. But yeah, with with all that, the stage is set. Right. With, with peace ushering in, you would think, you know, Poland will recover. But unfortunately, this is not going to be the case. OK, because soon what was going to happen is is known as the Great Deluge, the collapse of the Polish Empire. And this is a thing that, that is going to take several episodes and I'm really interested in talking about because th- this would be one of my favorite pieces of the entire series. Now, and this bad boy is going to take a long time to explain But, yeah, until next week, you know, I appreciate you guys joining me here. Uh, Yeah, y'all take it easy.